Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. like smooth jazz there, right? Hey, I'm glad you're here. I do want to invite you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 8. I'm Pastor Tim. I want to welcome you to Liquid. We're in our third week of the wild goose chase, and really we're learning what it's like to follow the Holy Spirit in our everyday life. Um, that term, onged uh, glass or the wild goose, came from the Celtic Christians. They said that following the Holy Spirit was kind of like noisy, unpredictable, a little bit wild. And when we followed God's Spirit in our life, it meant like going on a wild goose chase. You never knew who God was going to put you in your path, and you never know where that relationship would lead you. And that means that the Christian life is not about predictability or arranging for our safety and comfort. In fact, it's actually just the opposite. When we become followers of Jesus, we're told God puts a GPS, God's positioning system into us, the Holy Spirit, And if we follow his kind of internal prompts, he will actually give us divine direction for our life. And and living the gospel is actually an adventure. It's not routine. The Christian life is supposed to be about risk, not playing it safe. And above all else, really dependency on God as he kind of leads us to engage people who we might think are kind of on the fringes of society. Maybe there's kind of human interruptions in our life, but are really, in God's plan, a divine appointment. And that's what I want to talk about uh, here in Acts chapter 8. Before I get into that, I want to just begin by sharing just a little interesting encounter I had a few weeks ago on a Wednesday afternoon in the liquid office. Um, It was late in the day. I was in the office just kind of working on a weekend message, and the front buzzer, you know, kind of goes, and I hear that the door is locked. We had closed up for the day and everything, but it kept ringing. And I heard kind of, uh, Susie went there, kind of opened the front, uh, you know, corner uh, door there. And I peeked out my head to see like, you know, what's going on here? And she came up to me. She said, hey, there's a couple who needs your help and needs to talk to you right now. And our offices, uh, as you guys, some of you know, are on the street. And so we get street people all the time. We'll get homeless folks or, you know, folks looking for a handout. And sometimes, you know, they're genuinely in need. We'll give them bus fare or something. Um, But to be honest, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I was like, you know, end of the day, I'm behind on my work, I'm trying to wrap up and go home, and I'm like, man, this is like ruining my workflow. Uh, you know, but I'm a pastor, and that would not be spiritual, so I didn't say it. Uh, I actually said, no, sure thing, you know, kind of thing. And, um, and so Susie introduces me to this couple who looked to be in their 20s. The guy's name was Daniel, and uh, it was amazing because I shook his hand. I had to step back a minute because he just reeked like weed. Okay, just smelled like pot, and, uh, you know, he was covered, you know, kind of in tats and everything. 26 years old, found out he was homeless, uh, and had been in and out of jail, and he said, hey, uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we have nowhere to go tonight, and we just need 40 bucks for a hotel. And, uh, and then he introduced me to his girlfriend. Her name was Marilyn, and she actually was very nervous, kind of looking around, real scared. And she was 20 years old, looked like she was about 15, actually. 
And she said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but we've been actually living in a tent behind Walmart. And last night the cop came and kicked us out. I said, you know, really, a tent behind Walmart? And, uh, and he said, yes, sir, we just need a couple of bucks because it's, it's raining tonight, it's getting dark, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'll find work. And I said, uh, you know, are you working now? And he said, well, yeah, I'm working at the car wash, but it's not really enough, and I, and I want to you know, take care of Marilyn and our baby. I said, your baby? At which point Marilyn chimes in, yeah, I'm six weeks pregnant. Um, there are these moments in life where everything in your world just like collides. Like your faith in God and his ability to actually change and heal the most broken lives just like hits head on with like cold, hard reality. Because they were just like, please, can you just give us 40 bucks just for tonight? I'll pay you back. And honestly, I didn't know what to say. Again, from time to time, we'll give bus fares some food or, or, or dinner vouchers or something. Um, but, you know, when there's this fine line between, like, compassion and, like, enabling bad choices, and you're like, ah, what do I do? And, and, and again, it was dark and raining, and, and he's like, please, my girlfriend and the baby, we have nowhere to stay. Just give us 40 bucks. So I did what I normally do when I'm not sure what to do. I offered them pizza. And, uh, and they, come on in for pizza, you know, and they came in, there's always pizza at Liquid, and we, they sat down, we started talking, and I'd give up on finishing my work at that point, and, uh, and I was like, so what, you know, where are you from, what happened? And it turns out Daniel actually had just arrived in town, he was in Florida, and had just moved up to New Jersey, and he and Marilyn were in this tent behind Walmart for a few days, and I said, well, you know, we could try to see if we could get your room at the, at the mission, uh, you know, up the street, we've done that before, and he said, no, 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 that's men, for men only, and I'm not splitting up with my girl. I said, well, we could, you know, try the women's shelter for Maryland. And said, no, no, they don't, they, don't like me. They, they don't like us there. I have a, you know, my criminal history is a problem. And I was like, well, what have you been in for? And he's like, assault, robbery. And I'm like, okay, is Pastor Tom here? Where's, because hold on. And uh, several details didn't like add up. You ever had that? But they were adamant because we have local shelters relationships uh, with them. But they were like, no, no, they're not going to accept us. And, and he said, anyway, I'm just asking you one thing. Can you give me 40 bucks? It's cold. It's raining. We've nowhere to go. And we thought maybe the church would be our last hope. Stop right there. What would you do? What, what would you do? Literally. Because honestly, I didn't know what to do. And this is precisely why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Because if you ask God to use you for his glory and for the good of the world, he will put you in positions that are uncomfortable, unclear, and sometimes downright confusing. And this is exactly what happens in Acts chapter 8. How's that for some narrative tension? I'll let you know what happened with Daniel and Marilyn in a minute because you're like, what happened to them? But I want to set this in the context of Scripture um, where God's Spirit really leads believers to, to engage people who are far from God and maybe actually seem like they have nothing in common and they has, their worlds collide for, for an epic purpose. That's what the wild goose does. If you've ever seen a flock of geese that are flying, you know they fly in formation. They have actually a honing sense. But where the goose, the Spirit will lead you, who he will lead you, to be Jesus to, to share Jesus with, you just never know. And that's what happens to uh, the Apostle Philip in Acts 8. His ordinary life as a fisherman is turned upside down because God interrupts his schedule and gives him this divine appointment. Now, Philip is one of the unsung disciples because he was actually the first to leave Jerusalem and take the message of Christ across the country there. We established this, if you're just joining us, we established that after Jesus was raised from the dead, but before he returned to heaven, he made a promise to his followers. You remember this? He said, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? My 
witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ever-widening circles of influence, this rippling effect. And this is very significant because basically he was saying, when, Jesus was like, when you put your trust in me, I forgive your sins, I wash your heart clean, but then I put my spirit in your heart. This is now that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And this is a brand new kind of life for you. This isn't just like for religious people anymore. That's who was in Jerusalem for Pentecost. He's like, I want this message to go everywhere, to Judea, Samaria. They haven't even heard me there. And my plan for doing that is you. You guys. That's, the, that's plan A. You will be my witnesses to spread this news. And honestly, folks, this is one of the main reasons that God sends his spirit to fill our hearts because he knows we're timid, he knows we're scared, he knows we feel kind of awkward when it comes to like witnessing to other people. And unless he actually catalyzes something inside to take a risky step, it ain't going to happen. And so this charge out of Jerusalem begins with Philip here, and this is a pivotal moment because it's like God's spirit spreads his wings to get the message out here. Verse 26 is where we will uh, pick up here. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Look at verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Hey, do you, uh, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him what? Told him the good news about Jesus. And this episode is fascinating because in it we catch a glimpse of what it really looks like to follow the Spirit's leading in our lives. And one of the things is this. God's Spirit will lead at some point, every believer at some point in time, to step out of their comfort zone and actually share the good news about Jesus with another person who maybe isn't even like us, who maybe we weren't even planning to run into, or maybe we pass by day after day at work or at school or gym. That is one of the primary reasons God sends his spirit to fill our lives. It's not just so like we can do miracles and have power or something like that. There's actually a bigger purpose to it. His plan for drawing others to faith in Christ is through us. We're filled on purpose, but we're not the end users of the gospel. We're actually called God's vessels in scripture. That means we carry Christ within us and we share Jesus with those he puts in our path. Question for you. I mean, do you, I mean right now, even as you talk about that, do you have anyone in your life like you feel maybe God has placed in your path on purpose. Think about that. Maybe your first encounter seemed like maybe, you know, kind of incidental or just random, but, but, but even now your relationship, you're like, it really is kind of odd that we are together, uh, that I see her day after day, you know, in the mom's group or, or, you know, at the gym. Yeah, I don't know, we're just kind of basketball buddies. In fact, I'm sure that what this, this didn't seem very natural to Philip, honestly. 
he was actually enjoying a successful preaching ministry in Samaria, and he gets this divine direction. He just hears it says, go south down the turnpike, uh, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem. Honestly, I think one of our biggest fears in following God's spirit in our daily life is we're scared about where he might ask us to go next. Will he ask us to go to Philadelphia? No! Not to the... Think about it. Philip is just going about his business. All of a sudden, God's like, I want you to go south. And that's it. No explanation, no details. Just this unmistakable message that God wants him to steer in a new direction. And the reality is, we all come to bends in the road, especially when it comes to relationships. I mean, maybe you have a relationship with a good friend or a coworker or, or, like I said, a buddy at the gym. I don't know. And you're good friends, but you never really go there when it comes to this Jesus stuff because you don't want to be weird. And it honestly can seem intimidating at times. Most of us have relationships with people who don't know Christ and we're comfortable with that and this idea of like sharing our faith. If we're honest, it just freaks us out a little bit. That's what you do, Pastor Tim. That's like your deal, man. That's, you know... And we worry we'll be misunderstood, we won't say the right thing, or worse, that it won't lead anywhere. It'll just go down a dirt road, nowhere. But I'm, I'm sure Philip was not thrilled about where God told him to go. <laughs> In the desert, it's a barren, it's a lonely place, but God says, I want you to go, and just await further instructions. And so he sets out, not knowing where this is going to lead, and then it says this, On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Which, again, you're just like, what is that? Seems like a random interruption. This Ethiopian eunuch was very, very different from Philip. Philip was from Israel. This guy's from Africa. He's from Ethiopia. In those days, Ethiopia was literally, it was considered the ends of the earth by the Greeks and Romans. That's what they called Ethiopia, the ends of the earth. You couldn't go farther than that in their minds without falling off the map. Ethiopia means burnt-faced people. That, so, so they were like, they were people with black skin. We don't even know. There was this like racial disconnect between them. And on top of it, this guy was a eunuch. You know what a eunuch is? Right? Okay. You don't, wow, no one answered anything. <laughs> how to explain this to my, my little boy? I was, that's why I was, I was like, how do I explain this like in polite company? Uh, I'll use my little boy's language. He had his, uh, his, his tenders uh, nicked off there, okay? That's how my little boy talks about that kind of thing. Uh, he was castrated. This seems weird. I know, I'm sorry. You're in New Jersey, please. This seems weird, but this was totally common in African culture at the time. Eunuchs, they castrated males because they were in the government of a queen. Big social stigma. How do you actually protect the queen from anyone kind of macking on her? There you go. You got it. So if you were high up in the government, can you imagine that in a public service? No thanks, right? But eunuchs were socially ostracized because they were incapable of having children, and so the man's family name couldn't be carried on. So, so they were excluded from, from, from Judaism. So mark this. If you are filled with God's Spirit, He will at times lead you, people into your path, actually who are not all at all like you. Not at all like you. You don't got nothing in common with them. In fact, sometimes He will send you directly into their path and there will be all sorts of external excuses for like ignoring His leading. Well, they are different from me. They are from a different culture, a different background, different race, different sexual orientation. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. That's exactly what I felt when I encountered Daniel in Maryland. Honestly. Let's be honest. I am embarrassed to admit this, but I was like, at that moment, I was more interested in kind of filling my little sermon <laughs> than, than talking and spending time with two kind of, you know, pot-smoking, you know, tent-dwelling, Walmart-living-hopping kids who are lost and just kind of tatted up, and I got nothing in common with them. One of the ways the wild goose spreads the gospel 
is by putting unlikely people in our path who on the surface may seem to be a human interruption, but really are a divine appointment. Did you ever have a significantly, like just someone who just seems insignificant, just kind of break into your, your workflow or at the store, or at the school? Think back even to this past week. What if nothing was random or coincidental? Literally. What if God was constantly putting people in your life on purpose? I mean, Philip may very well assume this guy was lost. I mean, just, you know, that he's sitting there actually just kind of looking at a map. Verse 27 says, The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the Isaiah the prophet. And he's, in other words, the picture is the guy's just kind of like standing there on the hood of his car, like just kind of thumbing through some stuff, you know, kind of... Or like you know, shaking his head. And Philip's like, who's, who's this guy? It's significant that he was coming from Jerusalem because even though he'd never heard of Jesus, what that means is he was going, he was seeking God. And he was willing to travel quite a distance actually to show how interested he was. The trip from Ethiopia to Jerusalem would have taken over 100 days round trip, 50 days each way. So this guy is quite interested in learning about God. And that's when the, the wild goose picks up in verse 29. It says, The Spirit told Philip, what? Go to that chariot, and I want you to stay near it. You get this sense God has something in mind, like something's going to happen. So you understand, when you think about, you know, when you think about actually sharing Jesus, like with, oh my gosh, someone at work, <laughs> or, 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 or a girlfriend, or a buddy, you may feel like nervous and scared to get closer, like moved in that direction towards the topic of faith, but God says, stay near them, stay close. You may wonder, well, wh wh where is this going? Philip probably thought that. But to his credit, he goes, look at verse 30. It says, then Philip, what's the word here? Ran up to the chariot. Notice his instantaneous action. He doesn't debate God or weigh options. Like, I'm not so sure. He just goes. And this is key. Because when God's spirit literally leads us to share our faith, he often won't reveal to us what the next step is until we take the first one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so-and-so, she's so nice. I mean, we've talked about that stuff, but I just don't want to go there. I'm, I'm not sure. God doesn't seem to open any doors. Really? Really? Um, I think we psych ourselves out sometimes. I do for the longest time, just to be totally honest with you. I've been like, I don't really have the gift of evangelism. I can like kind of teach and do that kind of thing, but that's like someone else, man. That's their deal. Um, honestly, because I think we psych ourselves out sometimes. Like if we're going to share with somebody about like what God's doing in our life or Jesus, we got to rehearse this big speech ready or have the answers to all of life's questions. It's kind of like, okay, what is this about predestination? But we actually don't. Sometimes we simply need to be responsive to God's spirit. Honestly, when we get nervous about witnessing, it simply reveals how egocentric our faith is. Why? Because in our heart of hearts, we believe it's up to our wise or persuasive words to convince people of God's love for them. If I don't do this right, man, they just won't get it. No, 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 no. From top to bottom, Acts teaches us it's all sheer spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody's heart, nothing will happen, it's guaranteed. And Philip senses the Spirit's leading and he instantly obeys. He takes that step and as he draws closer, sure enough, he hears the man reading the prophet Isaiah. So imagine this. This guy who doesn't, he's reading the Bible, he doesn't know Jesus. So someone who is not a Christian yet, can you imagine this, has a spiritual interest. Do any of your friends watch Oprah? Any of you, Deepak Chopra? 
A new earth, Eckhart Tolle, okay? We were talking with a friend the other, the other day. She won't come to church. She came one time to Liquid. The music was like, whoa, too much. Uh, and so she says, oh, my husband and I are having a fight. What's going on everything? Well, he doesn't, you know, we went, to, uh, we went out to Route 10. We went to a psychic. And it was $200, and, and I want to go back. Uh, but he doesn't want, you know, he doesn't think it's worth it. Do you think it's worth it? I'm like, uh, you know, I don't, uh. Imagine this. She has an interest. She actually wants to know that somebody can, can see where her life plays in purpose in God's eternal plan. She has an interest. And yet she ain't coming to church. And all of a sudden, Colin and I realize, like, oh my goodness, liquid isn't the answer. We're plan A. <gasps> Imagine this. This is exactly what you have here. This guy's reading the Bible, and, and, and the best thing you can do at some times is just simply ask questions of people. He actually says, do you understand what you are reading? Well, well how, how, how can I? He said, I mean, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and, and sit with him. Well, I'm not in a rush. Go sit. Folks, this is a picture of spiritual friendship. That's the best thing I can, I can say because I think those words like evangelism and witnessing, they're overused. They don't, people don't get it. Spiritual friendship. It means being sensitive to God's leading in the lives of people who are already in your life. You believe that God actually puts people in our path on purpose and that he's already working in their lives behind the scenes and we just simply have to make the time to actually sit down and talk with them. So as you think of your friend, your coworker, I think of my friend or the guy at the gym or the mom in your play group, when was the last time you actually asked them, you know, what's going on, what they believe, where they're at? Is that a regular part of your dialogue? Because they may be more ready than you ever realize. It's fascinating to me that the eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. Turn there a minute. That's on page 515. This is fascinating. I mean, talk about timing. Of all the passages in the Old Testament he could have been reading from, there's no chapter more appropriate for explaining the work of Christ than Isaiah 53. He's reading verses 7 and 8 out loud, but undoubtedly, Philip explains that this passage, it's all about Jesus. This is the big J here, okay? He came, this is about him. This, this sheep before his shearers, he's silent. He came to suffer and die on a cross to show that God loves you this much. He died for your sins. He died in your place to reunite you with God. But look at this. Verse 5 of Isaiah 53 reads this. It says, But Jesus, he was, what? Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now imagine when this guy asks Philip, so who's, who's he talking about? Isaiah, someone else? It says, Then Philip began with this very passage and told him, the good news about Jesus. He's like the entire thing, the entire Bible, I don't know what you've heard, but this is about one person. This is all about the Son of God, about Jesus Christ. That is the good news. What's the good news? Religion is over. You don't get to heaven based on how good you are. The Bible says everybody falls short. And if you think, well, no, I don't know. In fact, my friend, we were talking with her, and, and, and she was like, you know, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I really do believe there's an afterlife. And we're like, well, how do you think you would, you know, get in that afterlife? She goes, well, I do think there's a heaven. And we're like, how do you get to, to heaven? And honestly, I think she, she, she thinks what the majority of people think, which is, well, you know, I try to do the right thing, and I try to be a good person. And the interesting thing is when you talk with people, it sounds like really humble. Like, I try, I th I try to be a good person. So it's like, you're telling me that the basis for being saved and God accepting you is because you're so good. Is that right? And you're like, well, that doesn't, I didn't, that shouldn't sound like that. It's called pride. 
(laughs) It is the mother of all sins. And this idea that Christ was actually pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed. In other words, he paid the penalty for every sin, every hidden attitude of our heart. And the punishment that was on God, God himself went on the cross instead of us and was on Jesus. That's the good news. Religion is over. You aren't saved based on how good you are or what you've done, but what Christ did for us. And if you actually can be humble and receive that forgiveness and say, I got nothing to offer God, God gives everything to you. He gives eternal life forever. That's what by his wounds we are what? Healed. That's the gospel. That's how you get to heaven. Not what you did for God, but what God does for you through Jesus. You understand this? There's power in that. Do you believe that? Most people, honestly, are way more ready than we even realize. Back to my encounter with Daniel in Maryland, our tent dwellers behind Walmart. Homeless, pregnant, um, they were likely using, would be my guess, in full flight from God. You remember their question? 40 bucks, can you give it to me? I asked you what you would do. You know what I did? I, I, I said, I, I don't know what to do, so I think I'm just going to pray. And I prayed to the Holy Spirit because I didn't know what to do with these two kids. That day, I had been reading Acts 3. This was a while back, and I was preparing for this message series. And I'm reading this passage where this crippled man, Peter and John are kind of walking uh, through the streets, and this crippled man calls and asks for money and says, give me some money. That morning, I'd been reading this. And Peter and John look at him and they say, silver and gold we have not, but what I have, have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And suddenly it became clear, silver and gold have I not. I wasn't supposed to just give them money. I actually had 40 bucks in my wallet. But it was just to share Jesus with them. I literally felt like God saying, if you give them money, it's just surface symptom. They have a much deeper need than that. So I literally, I was praying and I just go, hey, can I ask, where... Where are your parents? And Daniel said, well, my mom, I can't talk. We're not talking. She's, she's on crystal meth. She's an addict. And Marilyn said, well, who cares? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my father hates me. He doesn't care if I'm dead or alive. I said, really? He said, yeah, really. And I could care less if he's dead or alive. And we just sat there. I said, I'm really sorry. That is painful. He said, well, you know, how, you know, I mean, how do you unwind the brokenness and neglect that gets to a person to that spot? You wish you could just touch them and say, walk, be healed. And I think this is where a lot of us just lock up because we don't know what to say to the people God puts in our path. But do you understand? This is what the Holy Spirit is for. Mark 13 says, when we, when we witness, he actually says, Jesus goes, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the who? The Holy Spirit. So I'm literally standing here like racking my brain. What should I say? What should I do? When I hear literally God just saying, Tim, could you give them the gift of honesty? I don't know, God. What would that look like? And tell them you don't know what to do. Never. I'm the pastor. I should have answers. So I actually just started talking. I said, can I be honest? I have no idea what to do. I said, I don't want to freak you out, but when I don't know what to do, I usually just kind of, kind of pray. Is that, is that all right if we like pray together? I don't want to make this awkward. And literally, as I say, I don't want to make this awkward, Daniel grabs my hand. I go, okay, we're holding hands. All right, here, let's do this. <laughs> and I just started praying, and I just started praying what was coming to me. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to pray, but Lord, whatever has been done to Daniel and Marilyn, Father, 
they have done things to other people and things have been done to them, would you let them know how much right now you love them as their heavenly father? That you care for them if no one has ever cared. You care about Daniel and you forgive his sins through Jesus and you care for Marilyn and you are her father and you rejoice even in the life that you've put in her. And as we're praying, I feel a hand start shaking. And I do one of these. You ever do one of these? <laughs> Who is it? And it's Marilyn and she's just crying. And it's just coming down her face. And it was this holy moment because I was like, oh, she's upset and he's crying. And now they're both crying. So I just kept praying. I said, Lord, I just thank you for Jesus. I thank you that every hurt that has been done to us, you can heal. And everything that we have ever done to anybody, you can forgive and you can give a fresh start. Lord, I pray that you would, they would feel your love now. And, and we finished praying. And standing there, um, you, under, you understand the rawness of this? We're standing there, there's the smell of pizza and pot wafting through the air. You get this? You get this? All I could, could think to tell them was that God was their true father and he was crazy about them. And he loved them and cared for them, even if their earthly parents didn't. And I just told them about Jesus. And it was amazing because Daniel... He got all flustered and he said, I, I, I gotta have a smoke and he left the room and as soon as he left the room, Marilyn started sobbing and, and I said, what, what is it? He said, I, she goes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to be with him but I don't know what else to do. I have no one to turn to and she's crying and, and, and I, you just want to wrap your arms around something like that and tell them about the Father's supernatural love for her. So we did, and, and at the same time, I want to be practical, so we got her the number of, you know, the battered women's shelter there and everything. But then Daniel came back in, and it was amazing because it was like this moment of vulnerability just like, just vanished. And she goes, no, 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 forget, forget about that. No, we, 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 we got to go. I said, no, no, you, you don't have to go. We can, no, 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 we, we, we got to go. Thank you, thank you. And as their way out, they said, thank you. Thanks for, for letting us know someone cares. I said, that, I said that's That's God. He really does care about you guys. And he said, we'll see. And they walked out into the darkness down the street. That's part of following the wild goose too. Are you willing to trust God for the outcome? I wish I could give you that story where at that moment the scales fell from their eyes and they kneeled and accepted Christ, and now they're sitting here in the first row. Would you stand up, Nate? Stand up and wave to everybody. Oh, my goodness, amazing. Oh, my, no, that's not that's what it is. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if it was like the early church, just a touch in the name of Jesus, and people are like healed, and boom, brothers, what should I do? I'm getting baptized. It's not always like that, is it? And that's okay. It's okay. Because if you really believe in the power of Christ, and that he actually sets divine appointments, and that your role is just following God's leading and, and, and God's timing, and you can trust him with the outcome. What I love is that even when we don't know how to share Jesus with others, that's actually what the Holy Spirit is for. Romans 8.26 says this, I love this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself does what? He intercedes for us with groans, that words cannot express. This is tremendously comforting. 
Literally, when the, when the wild goose leads us into situations that are uncomfortable, awkward, beyond our ability, over our head, God not only like reminds us of his words, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I taught, but he prays for us. Imagine this. We pray to God. That's how we typically think about this. But at times, the Spirit prays for us. Is that amazing? Have you ever been with someone or in a situation that is so confusing or just painful, maybe you don't even know what to pray for, and at that moment, God is praying for you. That's unbelievable. Like my encounter with Daniel and Mary, it just simply reveals how powerless we really are to change the human heart. You don't convince anybody of anything. Literally, short of the power of God in the life of those two kids, what will actually change for them? I just like, I went home that night, my heart was heavy, but I was thankful that actually I got to just be a touch in their, uh, of God in their life. And maybe for the first time, maybe, they learned they have a heavenly father who really does care, who really does love them, and they actually felt cared for and known for just a moment. Maybe God will use that moment just to ignite something else in their life. I got the plan to see. That's it. But I can trust God that someone else will build off of it. I am convinced that that was not a human interruption. I'm embarrassed that I thought it was. It was a divine appointment. And it happened because although I was reluctant at first, I was available. It derailed my to-do list. It was not on my Google Cal. But now I realize that was the most important 20, 30 minutes of my day. It's what the Celts called, they called, talked about thin places where the Spirit of God is so palpable in relationships that ordinary life suddenly becomes like supernatural encounter. Moses, a simple shrub, becomes a burning bush. Philip wanders down a dirt road. Where is this going? And the gospel goes to Africa. Two lost kids told that they have a heavenly father who loves them. I wonder what ordinary encounter you may have this week that's a divine appointment. I can't almost believe that I was almost too busy for that holy moment with that couple because I was writing a sermon. Repent. Seriously, those of you who serve and are in ministry, if you're like on the worship team, you work with liquid kids or something, just don't miss this lesson. You can become so busy doing the work of God that you actually prevent God from doing a work in you. You understand that? Being sensitive to the Spirit, it's about availability. And I'm just, I'll be honest, I'm rarely available when my schedule is jammed to the rafters. When I'm not prayed up, i got zero margin in my life. God's interruptions are sometimes the Spirit's intercession. So the question for you is this. If God were to interrupt you this week, would you have time for a divine appointment? Would you have the space to let him lead you out of your comfort zone? Because when God's Spirit is at work, nothing's coincidental. Everything is monumental. Back to our passage, the eunuch's conversion of Christianity, it actually brought the gospel to an entirely new continent into the power structures of the African government. By the way, that is why the northern part of Ethiopia today is Orthodox Christian, not Muslim, because of this man. Today, he believed. And guess what happened next? What happens after you believe? You get what? You get actually baptized. That's how we're told to roll. The episode finishes with this. Look at verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Again, the Bible just like makes this so simple. 
In the New Testament, baptism always follows belief in Christ. That's why we're having a baptism at the end of the series on November 22nd. That's actually why. It's not because it's like, that's a good date in the calendar. It's because they're like, people are coming to believe in Jesus, and therefore then they get baptized. And some of you are ready to take that next step in, in your faith, honestly. Baptism, we've talked about this. It is the living symbol of your faith in Christ. We go under the water, we're being identifying with what? The death of Jesus. We are dead to sin and we're raised up. We are now alive to Christ. He puts his spirit in us. It's not complicated. We're going to have a hot tub in every one of our campuses live in this room and you'll actually go into the water. You will probably need the spirit's help. Michael will actually give you a hand too, but you'll need the spirit's help to do that in front of other people quite honestly and anyone I mean, a child with simple belief or an adult with a lifelong one, if you're reawakening to God's role in your life, you can be baptized. I want to be very clear on this because some people were like, someone said this to me this morning. I was a little like, oh, I'm sorry. It was my bad. It must have been my bad. I want to be real clear about this. They were like, so you got to be, to get saved, you got to get baptized? Because I've just been believing in Jesus, but I wasn't baptized. And I was like, no, no, no. You don't, you don't get saved by getting baptized. You understand this? You get baptized because you've been saved. It, it, faith is simple belief in Jesus Christ. This is amazing. Do you look in the Bible, by the way? Did you notice you're missing a verse? You got a, de a defect Bible. Look at verse 37, would you? Acts 8, verse 37. You're like, what the? Notice it's missing? There's no verse 37. That's because if you look in the footnotes, you'll see that late manuscripts record Philip's answer to the eunuch's question when he says, hey, why shouldn't I be baptized? Look at, the foot, look at your footnotes. It said, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, let's read this together in unison, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Kasploosh. Then get baptized. Because that's all it takes. Simple belief in Christ you receive new life, and at that moment, you receive God's filling of your Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. But when you are baptized, it's actually testifying, it's witnessing to the ends of the earth about what's happening inside. And it's an external symbol of an internal reality that has already happened. So some of you who are thinking about it, you're like weighing it, maybe November 22nd, this is your divine appointment, okay? You're not here this fall in this church by accident, and it's time to make that decision, and it's to believe and then be baptized. <laughs> for others of you, honestly, I believe that probably today's message is preparing you for a divine appointment with someone God's going to put in your path in the next few weeks. Honestly, he does that. Maybe today's the day that God has actually woken you up to, I think he's put Nate in my path on purpose. I can't believe it. They may not be like you. You may not feel prepared, but he's been preparing you for this moment. He's actually put you in their life to bear witness to Jesus. So there are really just two steps I want to challenge two groups of people to take today. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, believe and be baptized. If you are a believer, be prepared to bear witness. One of those two things applies to every person here. Some of you, honestly, God wants to fill you with his spirit for the first time. It's not just intellectual belief. He wants to come into your heart and dwell there. Others, his spirit wants to speak through you to tell others about Jesus. When that happens, all bets are off. I want to close by giving you a picture of what happens when the spirit holds full sway in a believer's life and, and really believe that God puts people in our path on purpose. 
two weeks ago. I got a late night text from Chris. Many of you will recognize him. He's one of our volunteer uh, greeters here at Liquid. And it said very simply, he said, Tim, pray for my friend Demetrius. I've been telling him about Christ. And tonight's the night, all caps. I'm sure of it. And if you've ever met Chris, he's not weird at all. Chris has an incredible heart, and his friend Demetrius, actually, their friendship is unlikely. Uh, Demetrius is a young man who grew up in the inner city. Chris is like from the upscale suburbs, but God brought them together on purpose. Well, over the course of several years, Chris has just been sharing with, Christ, with, with Demetrius about Christ, and two weeks ago, he goes, I just got this unmistakable hon- you know, honking huh, uh, sense <laughs> from the wild goose, honestly, that this was the time for my friend to accept Jesus. And what happened next is totally real. This really happened two weeks ago, a divine appointment. I will let Chris tell you about it himself. Demetrius is a good friend of mine. He's a young man that was sent to me about 15 years ago at 17 years old, was in need of a father and I was a man who was in need of a son and uh, God put us together. Demetrius had grown up uh, from the projects uh, in the Bronx and uh, certainly had a different exposure to life than I did. When I first met Demetrius I had just at that point in time uh, started to go through a very difficult time in my life. Uh, I had been diagnosed with cancer, um, pretty far gone stage three and uh, this young man Uh, was at my side and watching my faith in God just uh, stay strong, believing in in the fact that I was going to survive, I was going to get through this. All this time, this young man of 17 years old, 18 years old, is standing uh, just watching, watching how I was going to react and how I was going to handle this. Uh, Would I I get angry? Would I curse God? one of the doors that God opened to me to witness to Demetrius happened in the last uh, year where the economy had collapsed. He looked at this world which he had so much faith in and realized that at this point in time he had very little control over it. He looked at me and he saw that I stayed calm during the situation. And this is the third recession we've gone through. I mean, I'm not a young man anymore. And you eventually realize that God always gets you through this. Well, he finally surrendered. There came a point about a month ago where I felt the Holy Spirit opening up a door for me. Instead of working, we had spent most of the day discussing faith, religion, Jesus. He was uh, unrelenting in the way he just kept on asking questions. I'm dealing with a man who is very analytical about things. If it isn't a situation where he analyzes something and can come up with a a real answer, um, he somewhat dismisses it. And he said to me that he started going to church. He doesn't, he didn't get the Jesus thing. During the service, he saw that people were able to go and be moved to a place where he still could not be moved. And that, He didn't understand it. And I asked him, I said, have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Because when you do accept Christ as your Savior, that's when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And that's when you realize that you now receive a spirit that puts you in direct contact with God. And then I looked him in the eye and I said to him, you're ready. Ask him. Ask him tonight. And the moment that he left, 
I started to pray, got on my knees, got to my laptop, emailed Tim, Mike, Tom, a few other people that I knew at the church, and I had the whole community praying for him. The following morning, I said to him, how are you? And he just smiled at me, and he had that look of inner peace, that peace that, that surpasses all, as it says in the Bible. And I looked at him, and I said to him, you had no choice, man. I said, I had so many people praying for you last night. I said, you didn't stand a chance. You didn't stand a chance. And, and he knew. I said, there's a good thing and there's a bad thing that's come from this. The good thing is I get to know you for eternity. The bad thing is you have to put up with me for eternity. We heard for Chris. I mean, that's amazing. I am inspired by him because I look at that. It's amazing, Chris. I'm inspired by you, not, not just by your boldness, by your witness, but by your love for your friend. I mean, that, that, that's true love for a friend. And that's, that's what following the wild goose looks like. It's one of the primary reasons God has put his spirit in you. In Mark 13, Jesus says, And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, who has God put in your path? And who is he possibly preparing you to bear witness to? If you are scared, or that makes you uncomfortable or nervous, don't be, because all the pressure is off. God will tell you what to say at work this week. When you see them over coffee or at school or wherever it is you meet, my question is, what's your next step today? Maybe literally it is to bear witness this week and be willing to go wherever the Spirit leads you, even if it makes you a little nervous or uncomfortable, all right? Or if you haven't believed, what are you waiting for? God wants to bring you to life. He's not going to send you, he's not, we're not going to make you shave your head and go to the airport and hand out flowers, okay? Just relax. Believe and be baptized and trust God's Spirit is going to do a new work in you. You can do that on November 22nd, and here's the deal. When you do that, it's just, it's, if you've been at baptism, you know you will be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are cheering, who are clapping, who are whistling, because they're welcoming you to God's eternal family forever. I can't wait for that moment, and I hope you'll take that step. Let's pray together, okay, and ask God just to, to move in our, in our hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit, um, we come to you because we know no good thing happens in our life apart from your power. Um, that's humbling. <laughs> it's really humbling. Father, I thank you that you brought Daniel and Marilyn into my life, Father, and I actually, right now, actually, I don't know where they are, but you know. You are their loving Father. And Lord, I pray that you will even break through whatever, wherever darkness, wherever they are lost, Father, would you even, in fact, bring them back to our office. And Father, would you prepare us to love on them and serve on them? Could we be a church, Lord, that welcomes people who are far from God and and who reek of, of, of brokenness because that's what your spirit's about. We love you, Lord. Thank you for coming for us when our lives were a mess. Thank you for being here right now for people whose lives are a mess. Thank you for the promise of new life. And most of all, thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your body broken for us. We thank you for your blood that washes clean our sins, every sin. 
And now, Lord, I ask that your spirit would come and fall in a new way on us as a people and community as we bear witness to our risen God, Jesus. Amen? Amen.